seems to be the theme for the Capital One Cup this year, doesn't it? Do you mean the League Cup official rank cast rules? Yes, yes, yeah, no, God, I've uh, I've obviously lost myself in there, yeah. Official rank cast rules, the League Cup, yep, it's goal fest. Some, some incredible games over the last couple of days. Absolutely insane, and I guess we should go back talking of absolutely insane to the game in the first division that we played against Chelsea uh, at the weekend. Completely, you know, normal game of football, no, no controversial incidents worth discussing there. Yeah, absolutely none, yeah, I mean, it's like a, a park football, bit of kick around, few mates. All very friendly. Fifteen penalties, sixty-seven sendings off, and the re- referee is a is a daft racist. So clearly, the Gilluminati in full effect. We, we had a had a long conversation last week about David Dean's influence at the FA, and I take it all back. Clearly, you were right. The the conspiracy runs deep. Gill's effect has been pretty magnificent straight away. I mean, the idea that somehow officialdom in British football is competent enough to run a conspiracy is truly one of the most ridiculous flights of fancy of our times. Well, it's it's one of those things. It's it's the bullet doing a ninety degree turn, isn't it? You know, shot from the grassy knoll, and it, it does a spin and three backflips, and then manages to get Kennedy right through his neck. So yeah, look, there's no conspiracy. Shall we shall we just deep dive into the the refereeing controversy because that's the only thing that matters this week, isn't it? You know, forget football, forget the goals, forget the entertainment. All we want is the narrative of controversy. Let's just get that really quickly out of the way. So we've got a touch on it haven't we I mean we could make a unilateral decision not to I'll do a couple of things I want to say about it but yeah and then I, I think we should devote the rest of the show to football it, it wasn't the best refereeing performance I've ever seen but nor was it by any stretch of the imagination the worst the first sending off was clearly a legitimate sending off the second you know I, I think he had one of those moments that refs have sometimes when they decide to book a player and suddenly realise halfway through pulling out the yellow card they've already been booked and they're going to have to send them off I think if he was fully cognizant of the fact that he'd already booked Torres he probably just would have let it go and it's kind of a bad decision but from the ref's angle you can absolutely see why it looks like a massive dive because Torres does essentially simulate a foul even though there's a contact well he does and he, he rolled around grabbing his knee when when there was clearly no contact with his knee on anything so if you're a Chelsea fan you think that's a ridiculous decision because of the consequences of it of course uh, and uh, in most circumstances when a player goes down like that the referee doesn't give a yellow card but quite clearly there's been an edict from the FA at the moment because we saw a rash of them at the weekend as well so the FA has said to referees you must book for simulation so they're looking out for it and, and Klattenberg was looking out for simulation saw what he thought was simulation from Torres because he he went down extremely theatrically rolled around a lot didn't seem like there was much in it and and pulled out a yellow card and I, I think you're absolutely right I think if if Klattenberg had been a bit more cognizant of Torres's situation then he probably wouldn't have pu- pulled out the yellow card and and that piece of controversy wouldn't have come into the game there are others of course you know let's let's not forget the sending off of Ivanovic completely right as you say uh, no chance uh, as Klattenberg said himself I know it's bollocks, but it's not my fault. <laughs> "Quote unquote." It, it it feels it always feels like a very harsh decision, doesn't it? You know, Ashley Young has been fouled, but he's been very smart about cutting across the defender, so the defender had almost no chance but to foul him. And uh, you know, you can call that gamesmanship, or some people call it cheating. I actually think it's the right side of of gamesmanship, and Ashley Young's not always been on that right side. But in that case, I don't I don't see that Klattenberg had any choice about that one at all. No, absolutely, Andy, the offside goal Chicharito was offside he was considerably con- 
considerably less offside than Drogba was a couple of seasons ago. So you know, it's... and he was you know not offside when he touched the ball, which of course you know I I'm well aware that's not the rule and and all of that and the linesman because you know if we're going to call it the League Cup in the first division, we've got to call them linesmen, haven't we? It didn't spot that, and and it's look it's a super difficult decision because he's got to literally look at two places at the same time there, and and uh, it was a really really tight call, and you know really hard to be hypercritical of the assistant for getting that one wrong but he did he did get it wrong of course yeah, absolutely but we move on to the actual football a really interesting game United absolutely raced out of the blocks so. and and not what I was expecting at all I have to be honest I the a the attacking lineup that Fergie picked and it was a very attacking lineup and and there were consequences for that of course uh, but yeah super super open United re- went for it how the blocks really fast I, I kind of just just the fact that uh, in really big games over the last few seasons Ferguson has tended to go a bit defensive and and United have been in their shell and it's not always worked and th- this was a surprise uh, especially at Stamford Bridge where United haven't had very good results in recent season I mean Europe aside it's it's been pretty bad but that was great first half an hour really really fantastic from United and just glorious to see and you know as soon as it went to 2-0 I, I did get that kind of oh <laughs> this is this is definitely not going to finish with us with a two goal winning margin thoroughly expected Chelsea to come back to into it but it was one of those things where uh, it reminded me of that fixture that England played against Brazil in the World Cup in 2002 when I just remember just wanting to get to half time and this was one of those where it's like please just get to half time without doing anything stupid but Rooney couldn't quite make it and in a kind of somewhat petulant and frustrated act he had a very good game and I'm, I'm not being overly critical but it was it was a very poor foul to give away completely completely needless and uh, you know in the spirit of criticising players who give away completely needless fouls like you know, Ferguson has decided to do this week and didn't criticise Rooney funnily enough um, uh, other players that are not in his good books did get the uh, brunt of Ferguson's frustration but yeah completely completely pointless foul to give away by Rooney really dumb yeah and a glorious free kick by Mata and a slightly De Gea was kind of not brilliant for that free kick but not terrible either by any means I've heard some criticism of him for that one and I think that's really hard because it, you know he's pretty much unsighted for the most of that free kick yes it was on his side but he's taking a step to the left anticipating the ball over the wall and Mata's gone the the wrong way in many respects and he's hit it to the right of the wall you could question the positioning of the wall of course because you really shouldn't be able to get it around the wall like that easily and he's hit it really clean and it's just a true strike so I think we give a lot of praise to Mata who on current form is probably the best player in the league at the moment and you know not too much criticism to De Gea for not getting that one I you know even if he'd got a hand to it would he have kept it out it's such a clean strike well best player in the league maybe but maybe apart from a couple of players that play for us and De Gea was just extraordinary in that game There's a, there was a couple of moments where his kind of reticence when the balls played him from out wide and his lack of control over the box were an issue but in the interest of balance he made saves which can only be described as superhuman the, the one at his near side uh, from the header from short range yeah. I just don't I just don't understand how that all happened with the laws of physics and that well, he he manages to do that quite often, yeah. Fantastic reflexes. I hate the term great shot stopper because it feels quite empty and meaningless because all cliches are, but a great shot stopper, isn't he? And, and just great reflexes to get across, 
clawed it out, not just the tip of the fingers, but a full hand, and then actually managed to push the ball away as well. How many stops did he make with his feet? I think there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, again, saw a lot of criticism of that. I think if that's the best response, if it's better than going down and dropping the ball in the six-yard box, if he thinks he can get it away, which he did. Uh, you know, obviously against Braga, there was a mistake there in, in Europe, but I thought great performance from De Gea, mostly, you know, a few mistakes aside, and he's still learning, he's still growing, and it's been nice that he's had uh, here, what, what did he have, five games in the trot before Lindegaard came in for the the, the League Cup game, and, and that, that's probably been very good for yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely, and NR Miller 0102 will be pleased that you just had that discussion, because he's just said, would simply love to hear more, uh, simply would love to hear more about David De Gea's saving abilities with his feet. It, it, it is remarkable, and it is something to do with how agile he is, and, and you know, he's, he's just a, I mean, Fergie described him, I think it was this week, since we last talked, as a fantastic goal line keeper. Yeah, it was in his Friday presser last last week. He's just a fantastic goal line keeper. And that's a kind of a slightly better way of saying shot stopper, really, isn't it? Because it's more than just that. He, he's he's phenomenal at keeping a ball out of the net if, it, if there's any human way that it can be done. Yeah, and he just needs to develop those other skills, doesn't he? He, he needs to be a fantastic six-yard box keeper as well. And he's, he's not a fantastic six-yard box keeper right at the moment. I definitely don't see why it couldn't happen in the future. And actually, it's funny because, you know, normally when, when when there's the keeper rotation and Lindegaard gets in the side and you sort of think, oh dear, you know, but but it's brilliant to me that, that he's picked Lindegaard in the League Cup because it's a, a sort of clear message that De Gea's the number one. But anyway, we, can't, we really cannot talk about this every single week for the whole season, although we might end up doing exactly that. Some some noteworthy United performances then uh, in that game. I, I thought Chicharito was great again when he came on. He, he just loves Chelsea, Chicharito, and, and he, he was excellent uh, when he came on. He took his goal brilliantly, when even though he was clearly offside. And Van Persie early on in that game causing all sorts of ruckus. Um, some decent sort of defensive performances as well. Raphael once again gone through. I think he, he he's gone through two games against Chelsea without making a mistake basically since we last spoke. And and you know. When when you were saying Matt is the best player in the league this season, and and you know definitely he's the best number ten in the league this season, but the best number two by an absolute mile is Rafael da Silva. Yeah, he's he's been absolutely fantastic, Rafael. This is the player everyone wanted him to become. You know, he's not making mistakes. He's energetic, gets up and down. He he's a great attacker. He's a great defender. He's he's just becoming a really really top class fullback. Look, he's still young. He'll probably make mistakes this season, and we should expect that. But uh, it's really nice to see he's getting a lengthy run in the side, and it, it's really helped him that Smalling and Jones are injured in that respect. You know, he has to play every week, and and he's 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 been really really good. So that's great. Um, coming back to your early point, Hernandez, wonderful finish for the winning goal. I mean, in in almost the way that only he can, and managed to adjust his body for you know out of nowhere really, and, and do that. And and uh, how much did Van Persie love his goal? Loved it. He's, he, he likes Chelsea a lot as well, doesn't he? He's, you know, he's a big fan of playing against Chelsea. So I, I kind of want your take on that game as a whole, Ed, the ebb and flow of it and, and why it went the way it did and why we what it was that caused us to let Chelsea back in it. So sort of, you know, it's also like when they decided to get back into it, there was nothing we could do to stop them sort of thing. Well, I think part of it is that, yes. I mean, they, they overpowered us in midfield. They We sat back. 
there's that, that kind of thing about being 2-0 up and just the, the mental thing of not attacking as much anymore and allowing Chelsea to come back into it. I thought the Chelsea front four were excellent. Oscar's a fine player and he's such a fine player and he was absolutely brilliant in that game and, and Chelsea came storming back, R- really did, you know, and, and for a long time you couldn't really work out what game, what way that game would go, of course, you know, and, and uh, officials influence the, the nature of the game, of course, you know, sending off and, and all of that is always going to do that. And But even after Ivanovic went off, Chelsea were on the front foot for quite a long time. Yeah, I mean the Illuminati really needed the two sendings off, didn't they? One one wouldn't do, and that's why that's why we had to have the controversial one as well. So yeah, I mean it, it, it's interesting, and it, it did, t- did send, you know you said that United and Chelsea are two sides with quite similar weaknesses and strengths, and that was absolutely writ large. Uh, Sleepy Nick wrote a phenomenal uh, preview of where United could cause Chelsea damage, uh, and singled out the the right hand side and and Valencia and Ashley Cole and the way that that link up play with Raphael, and then the, which ever centre forward is on the right and it was mostly Van Persie in that, that opening dominant 20 minute spell and he was absolutely spot on it kind of basically described the way the goals would go in before before the game started and you sort of singled out both both United and Chelsea have, have, as having quite significant defensive weaknesses and you know the, the fact that <laughs> we've played them twice and there's been a total of 14 goals in those two games is sort of ridiculous isn't it? Well, for, for a lot of a lot of the period in the in the league game, there was no pretense of, of trying to defend through midfield at all. Uh, it, it, there just was no cover at all through midfield. Carrick was attacking, cleverly was attacking, everyone was attacking. Finally, Ferguson just admitted it and put Rooney in midfield instead, who didn't really play as a midfielder either, and he just had Carrick in there on his own. It's it's the ultimate donut for, formation. I mean, if, if Barcelona are going to play without strikers, we're, we're going to perfect the no midfielder midfield. Not just not very good, no midfielders at all. But there was quite a lot of criticism I saw of Tom Cleverley's performance. What did you make of it? No, I, I didn't think that was fair. I mean, I know, I know he gave away the ball, but uh, a few times, you know, he's a bit untidy, wasn't he, with the possession, which is very unusual for Cleverley. But I thought he was creative, movement was great. He ate, offered nothing defensively. He doesn't, really. Uh, so I, I don't think some of that criticism was fair. I don't think he was that bad. I think he helps a lot with United's attacking play. You know, he's so quick to recycle possession. He just he moves it, he moves it really smartly. Uh, sometimes you feel he's being a bit safe but I think he's as he's getting more games I think he's getting more confident with that he's trying more risky balls and and he most of them come off and some of them don't I'll go with that for sure so I guess then there was a weird fallout from that game so much sour grapes I understandable I guess from Chelsea's point of view that they felt that you know in spite of a pretty decent comeback from them they'd been somewhat robbed by the referee and and it's absolutely fair enough that they they feel like that but horrible things have come out in the aftermath of that as far as I understand it and it does the story has been a bit shifting it seems to me that Mikel has said that Klattenberg uh, used racially abusive or inappropriate language towards him which is a, a frightening thought I, I think in the parlance the, uh, the story's been evolving from Chelsea yeah it's interesting that Chelsea went public so quickly and uh, Arsene Wenger was very critical of Chelsea going public because it was unnecessary before the evidence has been collated for that to happen and uh, you kind of feel because they, they put the statement out less than two hours after the game that uh, somehow they might have done that in the heat at the moment that wasn't the most sensible thing to do especially as they've now withdrawn the uh, accusation and we only know it's an accusation because they managed to brief the press even if they didn't actually uh, say any of this in their public statement that, that Klattenberg called Juan Mata a Spanish twat and that one's been withdrawn uh, and it would appear from the video coverage that he didn't say anything 
anything of the kind. And and then the even more disturbing uh, accusation that he called Mikel a monkey, which is, you know, if true, absolutely disgraceful, of course. And, and, and just in the way that uh, I said that John Terry should be sacked for his crime, so so should Glassenberg if, if he's proven to be the case too. And, and, and much like I said with the John Terry case, I, I really, really desperately hope it's not true because, you know, where can football go from this? It feels like a game that's lost itself. And it's not just the controversy. I know I said a bit about the narrative all being about the controversy, but, you know, football does have to then look inward and go, if referees are abusing the players racially, what what is the point of any of it that we're doing? You know, if, if the people we're supposed to respect are, are behaving like that. And of course, we, do, we don't know. And, and most people in officialdom think it's preposterous that Glassenberg uh, would behave like this and just don't believe it and think there's been some kind of mix up or whatever, you know, we'll find out in time, won't we? And I think the fact that Glassenberg and his assistants were wired up ought to ought to give some pretty good evidence. It's just a shame there isn't a recording. It's one of those things where you hear that story and my kind of, if I think, if I just think, well, what is my kind of instinctive response to that? Not that that has any particular value in this case, but you know, my instinctive response to that is that does not seem to me like something that would happen, but you never know, right? And, and, and the one thing that really has bugged me a bit is I've seen quite a lot of people saying, you know, if this turns out not to be upheld, then Mikel should be punished. And it's like, no way. Cause that's, that's, you know, that's what Liverpool fans were all saying about Evra during in the Suarez case and you know if it's a genuine misunderstanding and he thinks that that's happened he should be speaking out and saying it's happened if it's a sort of malicious attempt to besmirch a man's name then you know if you can prove that that's obviously obviously very different but that would seem to be somewhat of an unlikely scenario as well Yes, I, I mean, I think I think the let's punish Chelsea if they're making it up line is just preposterous. Let's it's not about that. Let's find out what the truth is. Yeah, you know, and and I hope somehow the truth does come out and we find out what happened. Uh, your initial reaction is the reaction of a lot of people. I, I find it unthinkable that a referee would call a black player a monkey. I, I have to say, I just I, I just I can't feel any scenario in which that would happen but but that's the accusation right and we've got to find out whether that's true or not because if it, if it is true it's it's uh, it's quite incredible really and it's going to be very hard for referees to come back from that not just Klassenberg obviously you know he'll be finished but uh, referees as a whole to to get the you know in the FA's parlance the respect to gender back will be near impossible yeah uh, so I guess we just have to kind of hope that basically hope that that's not a thing that happened that's uh, that's where I'm standing I mean, I mean, I've seen some suggestions, and I think they are just suggestions, just because of the, the language that he called him a cheeky monkey or something mm. like that, you know. And there's been a misunderstanding about what that means, because obviously it has very, very different connotations than calling someone, you know, who's black a monkey. Yeah, of course. Um, just to bring up the boring subject of football again, I've just dragged up my stats thing, and Ashley Young, 17 out of 18 passes in the attacking third. Raphael, 14 out of 14 passes in the attacking third. Michael Carrick, 13 out of 14 passes in the attacking third nice stats just a random random little stat bomb to drop in so we can talk about football as we move into the next game against Chelsea which obviously took place in a ridiculously charged atmosphere given all that had gone before Lee Mason and Ryan Giggs having a right old chuckle in the tunnel before the game pretty sure Giggs he said you're looking forward to this one Lee <laughs> no pressure right no no pressure at all yeah god I mean worst job on the planet right I mean there's almost nothing that Lee Mason could have done right and, and he t- he's taken some flack from Chelsea afterwards as well I just I, you know I know Mr Handball but uh, for, for the most part it, it wasn't a bad performance at all like th- three penalties and it's not that bad a performance so given given how hard that was 
There's no fun in racism, but the humour, uh, if you, you want to have a bit of gallows humour, United fans unfurled two banners, Klassenberg, referee, leader, legend, uh, and another one that said Chelsea attacking racism since Sunday. <laughs> yeah, standing up against racism since Sunday is one That's of right. the greatest banners of all time. It's up there with modern f- against modern football, for sure. Uh, the Klattenberg leader legend one feels a little more, like, kind of on the nose, but there's two readings of it, and one is, like, they're bigging up Klattenberg because he gave him loads of free kicks, but I don't think it's that, especially not in the context of having the standing up to racism since Sunday. Clearly, it's a, it's a, it's a pop at JT, isn't it, who, who apparently came down from the stands and he watched the game in the stands at, um, this is Sunday rather than the Carling Cup and, and uh, joined in the fun in the referee's dressing room where uh, someone uh, an unnamed person threatened to break Clattenburg's legs oh. so, so the story case briefing and counter briefing and all yeah. of that um, when you say someone you're talking about John Terry aren't you Ed <laughs> no no I, w- I wouldn't possibly say that but you know if there's a, a man that might threaten that you know hey the cap fits. Uh, yeah, relentless chance of where's your racist centre-half. In the, in the game, in the, the first game, they were singing where's your racist captain gone, but I think where's your racist centre-half is just much funnier. It's much more, like, dismissive, and you got you got to laugh, haven't you? Otherwise, you would genuinely just turn off the TV and give up on football in general. United's away fans. And that, I always talk about it a lot, but it's, it was like, it's a parody of brilliant away support versus kind of completely flat home support. Just endless variety and singing and, and you know they let off a flare and a bloke ran on the pitch and it all got a bit out of hand as it does when there's that level of atmosphere created but uh, there's a phenomenal amount of noise and interest United's away support is everything that the home support isn't I don't get to nearly as many away games as I'd like to and I used to go to a very, very many. But yeah, I love the away support. I think it's fantastic here. Yeah. But the atmosphere, the banter, the wit, and uh, the biggest repertoire of songs in the league by a mile. You know, it's uh, it's fantastic. And they were they were great again. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so let's talk about the football uh, in that game. Bizarre game to finish 5-4, especially on the back of that 7-5 the night before in the Arsenal-Reading game. And just, just one, I kind of almost wish Chelsea had scored again at the death. So it would have been 6-4 and we could have had Seven five six four, but no tennis score was had. Just a, a virtual cricket score as as goals just flew in, and everyone's given up on defending. Well, apparently so. I mean, not quite as dramatic as the Arsenal game on the on the Tuesday night, which was one of the most remarkable games I've ever seen. I think. I mean, just just incredible. You wouldn't believe it if you hadn't seen it. You really wouldn't believe it, would you? And and, and as in as in the Arsenal game uh, in the United game, the, the quality wasn't always very high. Right, you know, mistakes all over the place. A horrendous mistake for Giggs's first goal. Very neatly <laughs> slotted away. Some pretty poor defending, I've got to say, by Keenan Wusson in the central defence for United. And and by the end, they looked absolutely shattered, didn't they? And uh, you know, it was really hard on them. And that's a that's a tough lesson learned, as as Ferguson said. And and shades of France in 1994, I think, with Nani giving away the ball for Chelsea to equalise via uh, the penalty in the last minute, a Hazard penalty. And, yeah, just drama all around. And how many pens were there in that game? Three, I think, something like that. And, and you know, so uh, great, great entertainment, not great quality. player that did play with great quality for the 65, 70 minutes that he was on the pitch was Anderson, the much maligned Anderson. Three assists. Yeah, and, and a, a moment of absolute pure magic. My uh, About 14 minutes in, Anderson sort of flicks the ball up over the uh, defensive player and runs around him, gets the ball. And uh, my entire Twitter timeline just exploded uh, with at mentions for beautiful read saying put that in put that in put that in and it is a, a really great gift so well worth checking out but yeah Anderson three assists and uh, just a, an all-round dynamic important performance and 
I wonder if he's put himself in contention for some more high-profile fixtures. Ugh, maybe. And we receive this from Anderson, don't we? You know, now and again, a great performance, and then it all goes a bit flat. He doesn't put the right performances in, in training. He's out of the team and out of the game, you know. They, these comments and this conversation could be had at any point over the last five years and still be relevant. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Yeah. And, and that's the problem with Anderson. And, you know, yeah, he had a good game, and he was very effective in the last 80 minutes or, or whatever it was, and, and that was very good for him, you know. Not everyone on the United side did himself proud. I think, yeah, obviously, Michael Keane and Scott Wharton had a tough game. I thought Raphael was good. Butner had a bit of a tough one defensively, I thought. Complete shocker for the penalty, uh, the first penalty. Yeah, 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 so that's tough on him. Uh, interesting that Tony Cliff got on, so, uh, you know, Ferguson's not punishing him for the high-speed drink driving. Uh, many people wondered whether he'd ever be seen at United again, you know, and Ferguson's taken quite a tough line on this in the past. I mean, he's actually, he actually sacked a player once for drink driving, so uh, you don't see that often in football, do you? So Tony Cliff done very well to get back into the team quite so soon after that and and there, there was a, an Italian striker came on I was a bit confused about who this was because I hadn't seen him in so long but you know Federico Macheda is still alive who knew still alive still in the Man United squad quite remarkable and Ferguson in the post-match interview was talking about his plethora of strikers. I guess we'll come on to that most high-profile moment of that post-match interview. But he was talking about his plethora of strikers. And he said McCade is one of the best finishers at the club, which is obviously incredibly high praise. But the fact that he's nowhere near the first team clearly shows the rest of it's not quite there. His quality outside the box isn't terrible, but it's not great. Uh, it's the attitude, right? You watch a reserve game and you're just pulling your hair about. He's a young player. He's trying to make it United. He wants to make it United. And wouldn't, shouldn't you be absolutely desperate? I mean, you should be doing anything. You should be walking over your own grandmother to impress. And it, he gives the, the sense and the aura of a player who just doesn't care enough. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I don't watch much of the United reserves, but that's what I hear from the people that do. So, you know, he, he, you know, I think we've all reached a point where we've all accepted that Makeda has got a long-term future at United. But I do think he's got a decent career somewhere else. He, he didn't really do much in, in the, the League Cup game. Wooten and Keane, you know, actually they, they did pretty well for most of the 90 minutes. They were only let in two goals, which is not bad, you know. And then it was just such an unfortunate moment in that last minute because it was there, wasn't it? It was it was just a whisker away and sadly Wooten sort of just sort of bundled into Ramirez and uh, unquestionably a penalty. And then, you know, he, he made the mistake for for the fourth Chelsea fourth goal but I think by that point you know they were exhausted and I think understandably for a young player like that giving away that penalty in the last minute just took it out and they just didn't have the sort of heart for extra time and I don't say that as a criticism at all I mean they literally haven't learnt yet how to deal with that level of disappointment on that kind of stage and still be able to maintain a good level of football you know. Yeah, and, and quite a lot of criticism was in afterwards from people floating around, of course, and, and a lot of debate about him. I, I have to say, my feeling is that he won't make it at United. He's, he's not quite good enough and he's too slow. And uh, the, the first bit, maybe you fix with patience. I mean, there's been some Evans, Fletcher, Raphael now. The, the patience shown has paid off. And maybe it would, but I think the, the speed bit you can't fix. And uh, I don't think you'll make it the very top level, but I think he'll have a good, a good career. Keane's slightly different because I think that the 
progress he's made in terms of his quality over the last 18 months is absolutely remarkable and he's gone from I wasn't quite sure about him as a reserve right back to he's got a real chance of making it United and you know we'll see he's, he's a very young player and it's really hard to make a call on that one especially central defenders that's a, that's a really tough one for a young young player to make it at Old Trafford but you know and coming back to your original point yes uh, by the end they were shattered mentally physically the whole lot and uh, you know great great experience for them in a way though you hope they learn from it and that kind of addresses a question that at Chris K 93 has asked where he says how do you see King fitting in at United in the future with the likes of Evan Smalling and Jones all sort of battling for that position and it is a difficult time to be a very talented young centre back but then you know Johnny Evans has shown he had Rio and Vidic ahead of him which many people would have as you know well a, a decent number of people would have as United's best ever central defensive partnership and, and Johnny Evans has managed to start to carve out a career for himself at the club and, and very much so and, and look, the fact is that Rio is unlikely to be at the club beyond this summer and, and maybe not Vidic either and you know they, they're talking about December now for Vidic and it was November and I think it will stretch on beyond that I think uh, you know, having such a bad knee injury the meniscus tear after having an even more serious knee injury before that I think that's quite serious actually and I'm not sure the Vidic will come back quite the same so look Smalling and Jones are back soon Evans has cemented his place in the side and uh, there's an opportunity there for another player if King can do enough in the next few months maybe he goes on loan for the second half of the season really impresses he could be part of the squad next season there's you know that's not beyond the realms of reason at all or if Ferguson doesn't believe he's quite ready he'll probably buy another central defender next summer and you know I think I think a word for the, the fact that Wooten and Keane were playing together which means that the, there wasn't you know Rio there to put his arm around Wooten after you know during the little extra time he bit and you know, he was quite uh, he had Bootner to the left of him and, and Keane to the right of him so he was you know he was kind of pretty much on his own Wooten wasn't he, he didn't have he didn't have that senior figure nearby I mean Darren Fletcher was dropping quite deep a lot but you know he, he I, I bet he felt pretty lonely actually at that at that, at that moment uh, Darren Fletcher another another fine shift from D Fletcher and you know Ferguson said obviously he can't play every three or four days but he's looking after himself really well and managing the condition really well so it's interesting that Ferguson uses that language and that's clearly the situation isn't it that so it's not like D Fletcher is better um, but he's managing his situation I mean, it gives me the impression that that he's he's not going to be ready for the first team for a very long time, though, right? And uh, it, because he's he's never going to be in absolute peak condition if he's managing this condition all the time. I mean, like maybe I'm totally wrong because I clearly have no medical knowledge or experience, and it just feels that the difference between being a very top player at the top of the Premier League and just being average is is what is it half a percent or something? Just those little things that make such a massive difference, and it kind of tells me that he he's not going to be ready to be performing at Premier League level at any kind of quality and we'll see and he's changed his role he's, you know, the games he's come back in recently he's been very very defensive he's not the box to box player that we once saw he's obviously conserving his energy and fitness because it's not quite there at the levels that it was before uh, so hey I hope I hope he somehow manages to come back in his player he once was but I think we're quite a long way away from that uh, yeah, and I guess talking of players that don't seem to be the player that they once were, we need to raise the vexed question of Nanny. When I put out the shout for Twitter questions earlier today, as I do every week, basically I had a flood of people asking questions about Nanny, whether he's still going to be with us in January. It was almost about 50-50 saying, one half saying that they really hope he is, and the other half saying they can't wait for Fergie to get shot. I, I am 
unsurprisingly caught between those two positions in my usual fence sitting because I can definitely conceive of a scenario where where Nani finds some motivation and fixes his relationship with the boss and becomes a really important player for us again but that seems to be the less likely of the two scenarios especially Fergie came out in his press conference his interview after the League Cup fixture and basically accused Nani of throwing away the game uh, for United a kind of mirroring of France 94 and, and uh, David Ginola getting the blame for uh, knocking France out when they lost 2-0 to Bulgaria at Parc de France, wasn't it? You know, I, I thought it's really bizarre, folks. That's twice in as many, uh, a few weeks now that he's actually come out and singled out a player and he did with David De Gea and, and actually name-checking a player in the way that he did. It was um, a little odd and uh, I think it kind of betrays some of the frustration that Ferguson has now and, and the story appears to be that Nani's not prepared to sign a new contract, not the the level United are offering United aren't prepared to offer more because they don't believe he's within the top bracket of players at Old Trafford and and while Ferguson may value him as a player in certain terms of the numbers he puts up he's he's not prepared to make him a first team regular because he's not prepared to commit to the club and he only wants to play players who are committed you know and and I'm sure that's a press version of things but there definitely seems to be a level of frustration here that that won't resolve itself I'd be really surprised if he goes in January because you know what's the point of getting rid of effective players in the middle of the season but uh, it's it's almost impossible to conceive a scenario where he actually stays beyond next summer yeah I have to say I don't think it's so unlikely that he's going to be gone in January because I think Ferguson might not want him around anymore basically I think it probably depends on the fitness of key players in similar positions uh, fitness and form of key, key players in similar positions and and you know it would it would be a, a shame for Nani's United career to end this way but I don't think it's going to end on a high is it because it, it does seem to just be sort of petering out and and you know it wasn't just the wording that Ferguson used but you mentioned a word frustration and he just it was almost through gritted teeth you know you could all you could you could visibly see in his body language the level of frustration that he has with Nani and the kind of tone of voice that he used it was it was very uh, it felt very authentic actually from Ferguson it felt like he was sort of saying exactly what he felt about that situation yes I, I think there's an awful lot of frustration there yeah I, I, I really think there is and it kind of um, comes into another point I wanted to talk about you know players leaving and, and not quite fulfilling their their potential. Paul Pogba uh, storming it up in Italy at the moment uh, star of the show for Juve scored against Bologna the other day and, and uh, everyone said he's off to Juve, I'll never get into that midfield because there were some fine players in central midfield at Juve and, and there he is, playing most weeks. Now I think the, the most telling thing really about the narrative of how people talked about Pogba leaving to go to Juventus was a kind of odd misguided arrogance about United's position in world football, not that we're not uh, you know, incredibly important club but the idea that somehow it was taking a massive step down in status to go to Juve uh, seemed absolutely ridiculous to me. And and also, you know, I, I kind of thought that it, it has to be on the promise of first-team football. That that must be what he's going for. And yeah, you know, we, we just talked about Pogba leaving or not leaving over and over and over again last season. And I really wish United had got it together to keep him. But obviously they weren't prepared to break policy on wages and... Did didn't see where he'd fit into the first team, which seems it just seems bizarre, doesn't it? Yeah, he'd fit in the middle, in the in a, you know a big hole in the middle of United's team. You could put him there. Yes, right, right in the he'd be the jam in the donut, <laughs> wouldn't he? And 
it's ridiculous to talk about Juve somehow being a step down. Okay, look, they've uh, they've moved to a new stadium. It's a smaller stadium. They had uh, Calciopoli and out of you know, Serie A for a while, and they just won the title and first time in like a decade, nearly nearly a decade. And, and so you know, the club as a whole has gone through a tough time in the last few years. But but this is a club that's won twenty eight you know, Italian titles, twenty eight. Right? Don't don't tell me they're not one of the giants of European football. You know, two two Champions Leagues or UEFA European Cups, and that's only one behind United and and runs up on uh, it's like five or six times. And sorry, I'm going for memory here, but it's a lot. Yeah. Right? This is a giant of European football. Uh, let's not disrespect them. And and Pogba has is showing the talent that that everyone believed he had, right? And whether he went because he wasn't getting enough football and uh, it seems bizarre that Ferguson just didn't give him many minutes last season. We were frustrated, right, when he didn't play in the League Cup ties and, and you know, wastes of space like Michael Owen were playing. And, and so he was probably frustrated. Maybe maybe it's the agent and the fact that, the, you know, he wanted a big payoff and money, but it looks like he's worth every single penny. I mean, Juve got him on a four-year contract, a million euros a year, paid basically nothing in compensation. Massive, massive bargain, right? Massive bargain, and and United have lost out on a player who's now worth ten times that. Yeah, absolutely. And as and this is, I feel like we're going over old ground, but you know the whole thing about the nature of the football market changing and the the pressure on uh, pay for younger players is becoming more and more significant because younger players are more and more important uh, given just the nature of football finance and all that kind of stuff and the fact that United don't weren't prepared to compete on wages uh, for a young player of with that level of potential it's a, it's a it's a difficult position isn't it but basically you know it means what exactly what's come to pass will happen which is that the very best young players if they're not united born and bred are probably gonna think seriously about the options available and available to them elsewhere well they might they, yeah they, they might do I mean you know it's a competitive market but yeah you're right we're going over whole ground and I guess we don't need to do that again we've talked about the football gone there's, there's football coming up as well it's right in the thick of back to back football at the moment isn't it I, I suppose it's pretty exciting but means we have an awful lot to talk about on these podcasts so uh, we'll try and build in some Twitter questions as well. At, at Footy Hack asks, should we play Skulls, Clevs, Carrick on Saturday or just two from that three? Two from that three or even two from the four, including three from the four, including Anderson, because it's got to be in the mix for consideration for this fixture. Um, Arsenal at home seem to remember this went all right last season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talking about cricket scores of goals that we've had recently, it would be nice to have another one, wouldn't it, at the weekend? Can't, can't see it. Really can't see it. Um, I'm not sure United will stick eight past Arsenal. That was a very, very golden moment. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, Arsenal scoring a hatful of goals recently. So United, United can't stop scoring at the moment. Every single game, uh, we've managed to score plenty, which is kind of important because can't d- defend for Toffee at the moment. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be a re- really cracking fixture. Absolutely. Uh, it's worth pointing out that Reading put five past Arsenal this week as well. So, you know, it's not like Arsenal are having the best defensive season as, as they wouldn't be from the personnel they've got available to. Them. They've got some excellent defenders and in there, but also massive potential for a Rick. So I definitely think it's going to be another score. And and of course the big score that we're all referring to is when United beat Arsenal nine one last season. Because as we all know, Robin van Persie's goal counts for us now. It, look, he's he's nailed on score, isn't he? Yeah, It'll be interesting. What's what's he going to do? I mean, he celebrated like a madman against Chelsea. Loved it, loved it, loved to see it. But uh, I think he was at Arsenal for what nine years, and and obviously has a lot of respect for them. 
and uh, I, I suspect he'll score and, and there'll be a very muted if any celebration at all interesting Arsenal fans uh, I assume they'll they'll boo him as is is the way with modern fandom and all that but they really they shouldn't should they you know it's 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 really not Robin Van Persie's fault that he decided he'd actually like to win something uh, you know before he ended his career yeah I mean they've basically been singing she said no Robin she said no for 90 minutes every game since he left so not sure they're going to give him the best of receptions but you never know do you because football fans do sometimes have the potential to surprise you with an unexpected bit of classiness out of nowhere although you know I have to say it would be a surprise and it wouldn't be such a surprise if Robin Van Persie goes ballistic after scoring a last minute winner in this one I would quite like to see that in a way because I do think uh you know, I'm sure. I'm sure if the situations were reversed and United hadn't won anything for a few years, and Rooney went to if Arsenal had won all the titles in between, and Rooney went to Arsenal, we'd all be a bit annoyed with him. But you know, the, the whole the whole narrative from Arsenal fans, by which I mean Piers Morgan, out of this that somehow yeah, because done... clearly that that is the narrative, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Piers Morgan, his Twitter feed is absolutely cracking. I mean, yeah, 20, 20 minutes in, he, he was like, Wenger's got to go. I said this before, he's got to go. It's like the fourteenth time he's asked for Wenger to be sacked in the last few months and by the time 90 minutes was ran was Wenger genius <laughs> I just I mean he's beyond parody isn't he tactics wise obviously Van Persie will start I think that's the that is the only thing I can say for sure I would be shocked if De Gea doesn't play Raphael's a certainty Rio and Evans they're both fit right no reason they can't play right Evra comes back in I think the team pretty much picks itself actually and and I assume Valencia will play and I assume Young will play Rooney will definitely play and so will Van Persie so really it's just the the central midfield pair that is the question and uh, Skulls didn't play this week so I suspect he'll play because Ferguson will probably want that little bit of control rather than cleverly so I suspect it'll be Skulls and Carrick in the centre of midfield and there you go that's your 11. I wonder how deep Rooney will play. Margaret from uh, Rochdale seems to have talked Fergie out of the diamond, but you wonder whether there'll be some some aspect of, of Rooney coming and dropping into midfield. Balls deep. He, he'll be as deep as it gets, uh, Rooney. He'll basically be at the point of a, of a, a three in midfield. I'm absolutely sure, because Arsenal will play three in there, and, and that's what United will try and do to match it up. Yeah, OK, so I, I would like to blaster a few Twitter questions before we move on to a little preview of the Braga game. We've got a question from... At Coombison, C-O-O-M-B-E-S-O-N, uh, who's asked loads of good questions in the last couple of weeks. We're not picked out any, so I'll, I'll do two of his. Which United player has impressed you the most so far this season? And there's been a few standout uh, players this season. Uh, you know, Carrick's been quietly effective most of the time. De Gea's been extraordinary a few times, a bit shaky. But, you know, we, we were bigging up Raphael big time, and I think he, he's the player I've been most surprised by. And then the player I've most enjoyed watching has probably been Van Persie. Yeah, Robbie Van Persie, I mean, he's a standout because he scored all the goals, right? And yeah, it's the hardest thing to do in football, and, and he's managed to do it, and there's been no kind of bedding in time at all, just straight on with the job. And, and uh, I think you pointed out the other week, not only has he scored goals, but you know his touch is magnificent, and he just seems to pick the right pass, and, and I think he's got better uh, with that aspect of his game as, as the weeks have gone on. And, and Raphael, yeah, almost faultless, just just fantastic from him. And You know, my, uh, my Twitter stalker that hates me bigging up United players will be on the case again but you know I think he deserves it Carrick yeah he's done alright but let, let's be honest this midfield has been a little bit of a disaster yep. this season because it, it's it's causing United a lot of problems and, and defence has rotated around an awful lot I don't think uh, 
Raphael aside, you can really call out any of the defenders for having a great campaign. I mean, Evra blows hot and cold. Ditto Rio. He's had some big errors. Evans has made some errors, although I think he's been pretty steady uh, since he came back into the side. And Rooney's been, you know good on and off hasn't he and uh, yeah pretty actually i think last month he's been really good really and it, it's nice to see that i was just going to say actually um if if it was the player that's most impressed me in the last month i think since he came back from that horrible leg cut and he'd returned to fitness because you know, he started the season really poorly right yeah but he's been absolutely excellent and it's really 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 exciting you know just that like in that Chelsea game in midweek I was super excited about Chicharito um, who's just been like caught fire again and she's brilliant and definitely gives Ferguson one of them them headaches but yeah phenomenal to see Rooney approaching something of his best in the you know the position that he's gonna have to accept is his position at United now which is at the tip of a diamond in midfield as the deeper of two forwards however you want to play it's very tactically flexible but he's basically an attacking midfielder stroke forward forward now isn't it you know he's somewhere between the two in the hole yeah and and um you know in many ways i think that's his best position i think he, there's more product when he plays up front because he scores more goals but i think the the, the natural state of rooneyism is is sort of in the hole it's a problem for gikawa when he comes back and obviously he's not fit at the moment so it's not it's not a dilemma for ferguson but uh, yeah how kagawa gets back into the side and, and chicharito yes it looks like he's coming back into form which is like long overdue isn't it he's not going to get a game though he's not going to start against arsenal but it, if, if there's just no uh, basically really you have played absolutely in central midfield which of course he did against Chelsea for, for some time last weekend but I can't see Ferguson starting like that at all no absolutely I, I totally agree but I think as the season progresses as a whole having Cheech in decent form is incredibly useful isn't it it really is also I love the Fresh Prince alongside you know the, 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 I love Danny Welbeck I think he's had a slightly mixed season so far but I, I just think he offers so much anyway we've talked ad nauseum about how exciting it is that United have got so much attack talent but it really is coming to fruition you know we're scoring tons and tons of goals and it's a right old laugh you know at Sigardi asks talking of right old laughs who's more powerful the Fergie Association or the Gilluminati perhaps the latter is in trouble now they've been exposed Listen, the Galuminati will only ever be as exposed as they want to be. And that's uh, that's the final word on that one. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, Fergie might be, you know, real politique, uh, but he's, yeah, he's right out in front. This is this is Lord Palmerston gunboat diplomacy from Ferguson. When he when he wants to win an argument, you know about it. David Gill, he's in the shadows. That's where the real power lies. Absolutely. You know, when the white smoke is puffing over Old Trafford, that's another one in the eye for the Chelsea and Arsenal and Liverpool. Yeah, Gill's in there <laughs> doing the deals. Who's been bought off this weekend, referee-wise? I can't remember. There was talk at some point that Howard Webb was involved and that would have just been hilarious. I don't know if that's happening or not, but, you know. At bifurcated underscore MUFC, who, if you are on Twitter and like Man United and are not following, you're making a terrible mistake, asks, Nanny looks on his way and we've already lost Mummy. Who's going to be left holding the Bebe? I thought we were a family club. Don't think it's going to be an issue because uh, the Bebe's going to be someone else's problem. We're sending him off to some adoptive home somewhere in the world at some point and, and talking of that kind of thing Quim will he be in goal for Braga at the weekend uh, on midweek when United uh, travel to Portugal for the European Cup probably not right he's not first choice keeper no he's not we're playing against Braga away they caused us some problems at home but we're really dominant in the group and I think it's going to be I definitely think Cheech will play in that game for sure because a draw would be a magnificent result you know or essentially it doesn't even really matter if we lose this does it 
Well, no, but that would put more pressure on the last two games in the group than, than United won. A, a, a victory guarantees qualification. A draw almost certainly does. I, I, I think United will go there and win. You know, I didn't see much of Braga being a high-quality side. and It'd be interesting to see how many changes Ferguson makes because it's in a very, very busy period. But this is United being able to play the reserves and the under-fives and the non-existent women's side in the last two games. Total dead rubbers if, if United go in there and win. So that seems like the most sensible choice rather than rotating heavily losing the game and there being pressure on the last two fixtures no I mean I, I think you're right but I think there will be a good degree of rotation in that game as well because I think Fergie will, I mean this is the mistake we made last season isn't it so maybe maybe Fergie will be sort of so chastened by that that he won't make the changes I mean you said Braga weren't impressive but you know Alan gave us all sorts of bother didn't they Braga were 2-0 up after about 20 minutes and they did pretty much capitulate after that but they definitely got some attacking talent and you know they could put us in a difficult situation if we're not on our game so I don't think they're to be taken too lightly um, having having gone 2-0 up at Old Trafford is not, not something that loads and loads and loads of teams have done is it? We should, we should have a lot of respect for Braga there I, I think that's really important and uh, I think Ferguson will probably do that and we'll go away there and win and I suppose coming to the end of the show we ought to do some predictions yeah let's do it so I'm thinking it's going to be about 11-8 <laughs> to United <laughs> In the Braga game, and uh, it won't be so defensive in the Arsenal game. No, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say, because there are goals flying in at the moment, I'm going to say 2-1 to United against Arsenal, and I think we're going to go away. And, you know, I, this is bold and ridiculous, but I think we're going to go away to Braga and we're going to win 1-0. I think it's going to be a case of, oh, Robbie and Mampersi for 90 minutes as we score a lot of goals against Arsenal and they score a lot of goals against us. I think it's going to be another one of those games. I'm going to go with 4-2 to us for no particular reason. And uh, the Braga game, I think, might get a bit tetchy, and I think I think we might. I'm, I'm going to go with my classic, I don't think it's going to go that well away in Europe unconvincing 2-0 win prediction uh, in fact it's got to be 2-1 because we don't keep clean shits do we so 4-2 and 2-1 that's my two predictions alright well that sounds like exciting stuff and, and I think you're right it's it's an exciting time to be a United fan it's a slightly odd time to be a United fan because you know really we are as uh, as our friend Liz Worsley says on Twitter an omni shambles through midfield and defence and uh, that really hasn't changed has it but with so much attacking talent that there's, there's always going to be goals. I can't see a scenario in which United do not score against Arsenal on Saturday lunchtime. Weird kickoff time for that game, but Saturday lunchtime it is. I'm really, as I said at the start of the show, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's been going to be a cracking game. And let's hope we're talking about football because, yeah, God, I'm I'm sick of talking about racism and controversy and a bit more racism and, and all of that on this show. I'd, I'd really like to just talk about a really really good game and a nice United performance and another three points. And and you know, there's the opportunity to go top of the league this weekend as well. Yeah, no, absolutely and it would be extremely good if we were able to get to the top of the league and before we go top of the league in our uh, winning uh, competition prize is at Amun Palman who says that Dong Fan Chao is in his FIFA Ultimate Team because he's skint and it may earn him some lucrative sponsorship deals in China I will send you a DM at Amun Palman with the code for your FIFA Ultimate Teams nothing to give away on the rank cast this week if anyone wants to give us competition prizes to give to the lovely listeners just get in touch you can get me at UTD Rantcast on Twitter you can get Ed at United Rant you can post a comment on the show page you can leave us a review on iTunes and if you feel so inclined you can also chuck us some money but I don't know why 
why you'd want to do that but if you do uh, unitedrant.co.uk slash donate and thank you so 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 much to everyone that's done that so far radical thanks very much for that and we'll see you next week after a couple of cracking games coming up yeah like Ted yeah like Ted <laughs> <laughs>